0: May be seated, <clears throat> and if you need a Bible this morning, if you would raise your hand, uh, the ushers are passing out Bibles. Anybody need one? Get that hand up there high, up here, John. All the way down the aisle here. Are you the only delivery boy this morning? Over here, John. Okay, there we go. We got him going. Just keep that hand up until you have a Bible in it. We'll be going into that in just a few minutes. Welcome to a uh, pre-Christmas service. There's another one back there, John, right there. This is the last Sunday of Advent. And um, we will be having, in a couple days, Christmas Eve service right here. And Christmas Eve services, we have two of them. <clears throat> Excuse me, I, I think I'm starting to lose my voice from the first message. I, I preached it out in the first message, so I need to get it back. Uh, 5 p.m., 7 p.m. Classically, there are a lot of people at these services. And you know how you get a good seat? I know this is tough for trucky people. You come early. I know that's not in your DNA, but it is the way to get the best seat, whether it's the first service or the second service. And then Christmas morning, one of our elders, Doug Brown, comes from a tradition, uh, his British tradition, where they went to church on on Christmas morning. And so, for the past several years, we've had a Christmas morning service here at the church for those who want to come out. It's, it's a more contemplative service than the Christmas Eve service. A lot of readings, a lot of prayers, uh, some hymn singing, and it is very participatory. That means those who come are the readers. And Doug is looking again for readers this Christmas morning at 9.30 a.m. It's a, it's a precious service, and uh, uh, come there if you get a chance. And Then one other announcement was uh, there's a lot of people who uh, give special gifts at the end of the year, but if you want your year-end gift to count on your 2019 taxes, it needs to be dated no later than December 31st. If it's after that, it can't be deducted on this year's taxes, so... And I know nobody gives just because they get a deduction, but it is something that we do get if we do give. Right? Yeah. (laughs) Okay. And then another thing we do here and have for my 29 years on staff is each year we try to take a special offering for our staff members, a Christmas bonus of of such. Um, You have no idea the hours that the staff of Sierra Bible Church puts in. I know a lot of you think we've got a pretty good job here, only have to work on Sundays. But my wife wonders where I am the rest of the time then, if I'm only working on Sundays. Um, When you are in ministry, your life is no longer your own. And uh, our staff steps up to the plate and sacrifices day in and day out, week in, week out, month in and month out, for you And we take up at the end of the year a staff uh, Christmas offering, and then that is split evenly among our staff members. And so if you'd like to participate, if you've already given in that, we thank you. If you'd like to participate, just mark your check or the envelope uh, staff Christmas gift. And we will see that it's passed on. Well, I wanted to show you something before we get into the Word this morning. What... Uh, my dear Sandy and I were doing 50 years ago tomorrow. And I don't want any wisecracks. Because what I usually give is they say, I recognize Sandy, but who's that guy she's with? That would be me. And... Uh, Fifty years ago tomorrow, Uh, I had a few days of leave as I was serving at uh, Balboa Naval Hospital in San Diego. Came home, we got married, and headed back to serve Uncle Sam for the next four years. And so, and as many of you know, we've hit kind of a rough patch this last month. Um, Sandy spent Thanksgiving Day in ICU and spent nine days in ICU altogether. She's home recovering from emergency bowel resection surgery. Uh, still pretty weak. Uh, getting back. Took her out on her first outing yesterday. Took her to Costco. <laughs> and, uh, and when we were done, she was ready to go home. I'm usually ready to go home before we get to Costco. But uh, we want to just say thank you. From the bottom of our hearts we're all your prayers. I'll tell you what, the meal train in this place is awesome. And we got a we got a good cook or two in this place too. Uh, the meal train's been bringing meals in and uh, again, your prayers. But I just want you to know, you know when you stand in this pulpit for 43 years and you proclaim to people the goodness of God, we don't proclaim the. A God who is only good on the mountaintop when things are going well. We proclaim a God who's also promised to walk with us through our valleys. And it'll be four weeks ago, Tuesday, that Sandy had her surgery and she went in through the emergency room. And along the way, we have just seen so many glimpses of God's grace. He has blinded us with his grace. We got to the emergency room, and Sandy was the only patient in the emergency room the whole evening while we were there. The doctor that just happened to be on call was a specialist in colorectal surgery. He just happened to be on call. And then when we got to the ICU unit, Sandy had one nurse assigned to her. That was their only patient for many, many days. And so the care that we got, uh, and we know we serve a good God, and he has walked with us. We look in the rearview mirror of our lives, and we have not one complaint about God's dealing with us. In fact, what we have received is so much more than we've deserved. And we know he's walking with us right now, and our lives, once again, are just laid on his doorstep. We thank you for your prayers as we continue this journey. And pray that he will be glorified in whatever happens and that he'll be glorified in our lives as we trust him day by day. So thank you a lot. Over the past three Sundays, we've heard God's Christmas messages to you through sermons by Pastors Jesse and Brad. And today I'm going to wrap up the Advent series with a message titled, A Christmas Card from Jesus. And so I want to ask you this morning to turn with me in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 1, and then may we honor the reading of God's Word as we stand together for this reading. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. This is terrible to say, but every time I start reading this passage, I think I'm starting into a Star Wars movie. (laughs) Long ago, in many times and in many places, but this is God's word today. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of majesty on high. And Father, as we ponder the declaration of these verses today, may we come away with a fresh recollection that. We do not serve a God who is silent. He hasn't been silent from the beginning. He hasn't gone silent on us today. But he is a God who has spoken, who speaks, and will continue to speak. Father, I pray that our hearts, our eyes, and our ears would be open to discern You're speaking to us this morning and in the days that lie ahead. We pray this in the name of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. This is one of those passages that probably in the last three or four weeks, I've probably read a hundred times. And every time I read it, something new crawls out. But that's the nature of the Word of God. You know, when we pick up this book, we're not picking up Huckleberry Finn, Gone with the Wind, and War and Peace. We're picking up the living Word of God. It's alive. I can read one chapter one day and come back to it the next day and see something brand new in it because it's living, it's not static. It's a book that I come to, and when I come to it, my palms begin to sweat just a little bit with anticipation of what the creator of the universe is about to talk to me about today. This is God's love letter to you and to me. And it ought to fill us with anticipation every time we open its pages. And this is one of those places, this is one of those passages it is just so full. And so as I read this, I love the way that it flows. It fills my heart with wonder. It fills my heart with awe You know that God, through Christ, He comes to us in His Son. He's the heir of all things. He created the world. He's the irradiance of God's glory. And He upholds everything in the universe by the word of His power. It teases my imagination. And if you've known me for any length of time at all, I've got a very active imagination. The mystery of this. You know, there was a time as a younger pastor, I, I thought it was incumbent upon me to solve all the mysteries. I tell people that come to me for counseling today, I wish you had come 30 years ago when I had all the answers. <laughs> but today, today I'm, I'm comfortable with the mystery. There's things about God he's chosen to reveal. There's things about God he hasn't chosen to reveal. And I'm comfortable with that today because that's what keeps him and makes him God. This passage also reveals that from the beginning of time, God has been reaching out to mankind. And that from the very beginning, man has failed to fully understand God's intentions. But despite mankind's resistance to the advances of God, God has gone right on reaching out. The passage says that in many times, in many ways, God has spoken. I want you to know, my brothers and sisters, we do not serve a silent God, He has spoken the very first place that he spoke that the scriptures tell us about is he spoke to us, he continues to speak to us through the created order. The Apostle Paul wrote, for God's invisible attributes, namely, his eternal power, divine nature, have been clearly perceived or seen ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made so that they are without excuse. We don't walk outside of this building without the witness of the Lord Jesus and his creation before us. Many of us are in this locale because it is a beautiful, breathtaking, awe-inspiring place. Whether it be the mountaintops, as I come into the office around 6 o'clock each morning, the one thing I love is seeing the, the headlights of the snow groomers going up and down the mountains, they look like fireflies against the night sky. And I just, I love that sight as they're, as they're grooming that snow for all of you skiers. Then you pop over Brockway Summit and our eyes pop out at that jewel called Lake Tahoe. I love going to the beach and listening to the waves crash. I'm not so crazy about Southern California beaches that, you know, you don't hear the waves crash. I like to go to Monterey in north where there's rocks and the breakers come in and they explode. And I'm filled with that sense of wonder that that is a sound that has not ceased since the beginning of time. It just keeps going. First time I ever went to Yosemite Valley, I said to Sandy, this is Moab in gray. You know, I spent many years pastoring in Moab, Utah, and it's the same thing as Yosemite. It's just in red. But it's awe-inspiring. And God says that what he has put inside of every person that is alive is that when they look up into that night sky and see the smattering of stars against that ebony background, that there's something inside that says, somebody put this together. Somebody bigger than you. You see, my brothers and sisters, it takes education to educate that out of people. You have to learn not to respond to the cry of the Creator. And then what do we get? Oh, there is no God. This is just a cosmic accident. It just happened. And you, well, you're nothing special either. You just happened and in a few years we'll plant you and you'll fertilize daisies. And that's all there is to it. You know, that has to be educated into a person. But first you have to educate out that wonder that I'm standing in the midst of something that was put together with a divine and wondrous plan by a divine and wondrous creator. Today's passage says that beyond creation, that God has spoken in special ways through his prophets over the years. In the Old Testament, we read how he used dreams and visions and angels and Urim and Thummim and miraculous events. And in all of this, we see the desire of God's heart. He wants to be known. He wants to be known by the ones that he created in his image. But all of these long ago, special words and special ways, pointed forward to something better. God's greatest expression of his grace and his love and his mercy was the giving of his only begotten son, the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm here to remind you today that God's ultimate gift to mankind, is Jesus. That's God's ultimate speaking. That's God's ultimate proclamation. That's God's ultimate unveiling of himself and of his heart to you and to me and to all mankind. You see, it's Jesus alone that brings to us the full revelation of God. God. Because he is, as the passage said, he is the radiance of God. He is the exact representation of God's nature. And as Paul wrote in the first chapter of Colossians, he is the fullness of God. The fullness of God dwells in Jesus in bodily form. You remember the words of Philip in John 14? Lord, show us the Father. If you'll just show us the Father, that'll be enough. Anybody remember what Jesus' response was? If you've seen me, you have seen the Father. Christ was the perfect manifestation for man, face to face with man, of who God is and what his heart is and everything about him. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father, is what he said to Philip. You see, my brothers and sisters, I remind you this morning, it's through Jesus alone that mankind can come into a relationship with God. Jesus put it this way. I am the way, I am the truth, and the life. No one. What do you think that means? No one. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now that's an incredible statement in our day and age of tolerance and coexistence and the many roads lead to God mindset of our culture. It's a statement that is calculated to offend. And it's meant to. Because there is one door and only one. There's only one way. And it's the Lord Jesus Christ. Many of you are familiar with this passage from C.S. Lewis, but I love it and I can never read it enough as he refers to Jesus, who he is and what he's done. He says, I'm trying to prevent, I'm trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about Christ. Christ. the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the Son of God or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon. Or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come up with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. Lord, lunatic or liar, those are your only choices when it comes to Jesus. You see, in Christ, God has not just given us another prophet God offers us the gift of himself. In Christ, God offers us something that is lasting and eternal. But what do we do? We get so tied up in the immediate and the temporary. Somebody said one time, well, you know, he's so heavenly minded, he's of no earthly good. I would dare say the only way you're going to be of any earthly good is to be heavenly minded. And God is longing to give you something that's lasting, not a flash in the pan. It's lasting and it's eternal. It's going to last not only here, its duration is not only for earth, its duration is forever and ever and ever. And yet we get so fascinated with the here and now. Many times distracted by the here and now that causes us to fail to hear and to see the lasting and the eternal. In Christ, God has offered us deep and lasting joy. And here we find ourselves all too often chasing the momentary thrill. Jesus says, I'll fill you with my joy. And it's a joy that the world can't give. And since the world can't give it, the world can't take it away. The world promises. I mean, you know, what are all the commercials on TV? Aren't they promises? If you'll buy this, drink that, smoke that, wear this. We'll make your life wonderful. In Christ, God offers us intimate communion with himself the creator of the universe. But we choose all too often to worship at the shrines of our own making. Someone once said God created man in his image, and then man returned the favor. And that's what we end up with in this world. We end up with men and women and boys and girls trying to refashion God to as a God who fits their life, their lifestyle. He's palatable. He goes down a little easier sometimes than the God that's found in the Scriptures. A God of our own making. Pastor Jesse, in his series of messages here in Galatians, talked about uh, John Calvin's statement about the human heart as a little idol factory. We just go from one thing to the next. I've got to have that, i got to have that, i got to have that. And, you know, Jesus said, or it wasn't Jesus, but one of the apostles talked about that, Every temptation that will ever come into your life and mine comes under a heading of three. The lust of the flesh, if it feels good, do it. The lust of the eyes, i got to have one of those! And the boastful pride of life, do you see me? And that's where we live. That's where we live. And we trade in all of the stuff that Jesus has for us to fill us with a relationship with himself, with the joy that fills his own heart, with the love and the peace that fills his own heart. In Christ, God's offered us peace. Not only peace with himself, but peace with each other. Somebody in the first service today said they were riding BART. Do you know what BART is? It's not the name of somebody's horse. But it's the, what is it, Bay Area Rapid Transit? And that while they were riding it this last week, two guys on the BART got in a fight a physical altercation, and they're screaming at each other and swinging at each other and everything, and a little lady on there started singing jingle bells. And in a little bit, everybody on the bark was singing jingle bells, and these guys got humiliated back into peace. Isn't that a great story? I I mean, everybody joined in, and these guys are going... I loved it. I love that. Peace with himself, peace with one another. In Christ, God has offered us the peace that passes understanding. But all too often, we choose to fret and worry rather than appropriate that peace. You see, that peace that passes understanding says, God's on the throne. God's on the throne. God's on the throne. throne." All is well with my soul. And yet, God's love continues to reach out. Patiently, lovingly, our Lord Jesus Christ is reaching out to you today. Through the chaos of our world and the confusion of our minds, he's reaching out, longing to share with you the gift of himself. Over the past few weeks, if you're like my household, you've received a Christmas card or two. Anybody? Anybody receive a Christmas card? Mavis is the only one. Oh, oh Marley's and Mavis got one. I love this time of the year because, you know, this is the time of the year that, uh, remember, that remember that picture of those two kids They were up there? Well, two years after that picture was taken, those two sinners found the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior in the chief of surgery's office at Portsmouth Naval Hospital where Dr. Richard Upton led us to Christ. God was so good, he didn't leave us unequally yoked for a nanosecond. We walked into the office, sinners, we left saints. He's so good. We got a Christmas card from Doctor and Dr. Richard and Marge Upton. It's been 48 years ago, but at Christmas, guess who we hear from? We hear from friends and family that knew us when we had hair and when our hair was dark and when we were lighter than we are now. Doesn't anybody? Do you get any of those cards? Come on, Mavis, put your hand down. You're the only one raising your hand. I know you do. We hear from people this time of the year, and it's a joy to receive those cards and uh, to hear what's happening in the lives of those that time and miles have separated us. I've been thinking about Christmas cards. In fact, I addressed a, a hundred of them yesterday. Sandy and I got our Christmas cards out yesterday. What I've been thinking is if Jesus sent each one of you a Christmas card, what might it say? What might he want to convey in that Christmas card to you? What lines of verse might he use in such a card well perhaps it would be a card of proclamation joy to the world the lord is come let earth receive her king let every heart prepare him room and heaven and nature sing for he rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and the wonders of his love, perhaps it would be a proclamation of the deepest and most profound theology ever proclaimed. Christ, my highest heaven adored. Christ, the everlasting Lord, lie late in time. Behold him come, offspring of a virgin's womb. Oh my! I read an article yesterday this, uh, by a guy. That, he he has no problem with Jesus, but this. well, if you don't have this, he's not the son of God. Because through this, he's veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity, pleased as man with men to dwell. He, He put on our clothes, he put on our robe, he came down and walked it as we walk it. Jesus, our Emmanuel, God with us. Perhaps it would be an invitation. Come. Come to Bethlehem and see him whose birth the angels sing. Come adore, unbended knee, Christ the Lord, our newborn king. Or, O come, let us adore him. O come, let us adore him. O come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. Perhaps it would be a statement of God's divine purpose in sending his only begotten son into the world. Born thy people to deliver. Born a child, but yet a king. Born to reign in us forever. Now thy gracious kingdom bring. By thy own eternal spirit, rule in all our hearts alone. By thy all-sufficient merit, raise us to thy glorious throne. I believe that the greatest theology that has ever been written can be found in a hymnal. If you were to exile me to a desert island tomorrow... And I can only take two books with me. I'm taking my Bible and a hymnal. This needs to be part of your devotional studies. Because it's filled with the great theology of the church. And so this morning I want to challenge you. Not to a duel. But I would like to challenge you to take a bit and read the Christmas carols. Because much of the great theology of which I've spoken this morning can be found in our Christmas carols. So I want to invite you to pick up a hymnal. If you don't have one, you can go online. There's a lot of online hymnals that you can get into. Grab yourself a cup of tea, hot chocolate, coffee. And find a place where you won't be disturbed for at least one hour. And I can hear all of you going, uh, you're right. You know, who's the Lord and master of your time? You are. I am amazed at my 43 years of pastoral ministry. that people tell me they don't have time to read their Bible or pray. But you know what? they got time for Fox News every night. And they've got time for Downton Abbey. And they've got time for some binging on Netflix. But no time for the word of God in prayer. I've always amazed myself. But I'm, I'm, I'm challenging you to take an hour and to find a hymnal. We've given away over 100 of them in the last week or so. In the last 10 or 15 left with the early service. I'm sorry. But someone can have this one if you're good. But I want to, here's my challenge. Get the cup of coffee. Find that undisturbed spot and then begin to read the first Christmas carol in the book until the last. Now, I love singing Christmas carols, but there's something about reading them. There's something about slowing down and deliberately taking each line, each phrase as it comes to you. Now, in my hymnal, the Christmas carols cover 35 pages. And I sat down and probably just read them through in a half an hour. I'm asking you to listen a little deeper. 35 pages in my hymnal. Right there, there's the Christmas carols. And as I read them through this week, here's what I found. I read of the promise of Jesus' birth. I read of the miracle of his conception. I read of his birth in Bethlehem. I read of the adoration of angels and shepherds and wise men. I read of his life. I read of his ministry. I read of his death. I read of his burial. And I read of his resurrection. And I also read of his present and eternal reign at the Father's right hand. Do you know what I found in these carols? I found the gospel. I found the gospel. God's good news to man. Identifying and explaining why he gave that good gift to man and who that good gift is. I think these might be the things that would be reflected to us in a Christmas card sent by Jesus. But I also believe that his card would share with you the great longing of his heart. You know, we never think about God having longings, do we? You know, we're always we're the longing ones of dragging our carcasses before him and saying, I need! But God has some longings, too. And the great longing of his heart is, he longs to be born anew in your heart and mine this Christmas season. Just as he was born one day in a stable in Bethlehem, he longs today to make your heart his true and lasting home. I came across an old Christmas carol I had never heard before this week. Thou didst leave thy throne and thy kingly crown when thou camest to earth for me. But in Bethlehem's inn there was no room for thy holy nativity. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. There's room in my heart for thee. My brothers and sisters. God is not silent. He's been speaking from the beginning. He has spoken through his creation. He has spoken through his prophets in many ways. But today he chooses to speak to us. Through his son. His ultimate expression of his love for you, of his grace for you, of his work done on your behalf. It was your sins and my sins that brought him into this world. I read something this week. You know, again, I told you I've got an active imagination. And somebody wrote something this week that was like a Velcro fastener on my brain and I've been carrying it with me ever since. He said... There's no way we can imagine this. It's just beyond our comprehension. But, you know, if you go to the book of Revelation, it gives us a picture, and also in Ezekiel, gives us a picture of the throne room. And in the throne room, the people that got a privilege to peek in there, they saw light that just knocked their eyeballs out. They heard sounds like peals of thunder that, that just drowned out their, their hearing. And there were angels, six-winged angels, flying around. Holy Holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And the earth is filled with His glory. That's where Jesus dwelt. In that throne room. And from that throne room, He became an embryo in a virgin's womb. the creator of the universe who dwelt in unapproachable light with the angels crying out his glory has now emptied himself and he's now an embryo in a dark womb of a little virgin from Nazareth. And there he forms over the next nine months where like all other babies he came to a place of delivery there he was delivered and because there was no room in the inn, he was born in the stable but i want you to know that 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 was a real baby don't tell any of the kids this but i don't like away in a manger you know why there's one line in there at least it's not my experience uh the little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. Really? And he wasn't a real baby. We had four of them. And when they got hungry, they? And when their pants needed change? And when they were unhappy about anything? That's right. That's right. And the Lord Jesus, though he is God incarnate, he, he was made in every way like you and me. And so that baby in the manger... He sucked at his mother's breast. I'll clean up my language. He messed his pants. He had to be fed and burped and clothed. And that little baby went from there and he he learned to crawl and he learned to walk and he learned to run. He learned his ABCs, and he learned to read. He learned his one two threes and he learned to add. Following dad around, he learned to take a piece of wood that was unidentifiable and turn it into a tool or a piece of furniture. He learned all that. He walked through this life. He experienced everything you and I could ever experience, every temptation, every inconvenience, and yet he walked through his life and his three years of ministry after his carpentry career Without sin. Keeping perfectly the Ten Commandments. And then offering up that sinless life to his Father in heaven as a substitutionary sacrifice for the likes of you and me, those who can't keep the Ten Commandments. The Bible tells us in this same book of Hebrews that he appeared in a temple in heaven, a tabernacle in heaven, not carrying the blood of a lamb or a goat or a bull, but with a vessel of his own blood to make atonement for my sins and for your sins. And we know that the Father accepted it. You know what the proof of the pudding is? The resurrection. He came out of the grave, victorious over death and hell and the grave. And that says, God the Father accepted Jesus' sacrifice on your behalf. And all he asks of you is to come and accept it. See, I can hold out a gift to Sean today, but it's mine until Sean takes it from my hands. And today, the Lord Jesus Christ is holding out a gift. It's salvation and eternal life to anyone who will reach out. That's God's gift to you this Christmas. And if you've walked with him for a season, my prayer is is that you'll open the door of your heart a little wider today and let him in and let him show you something about himself maybe you've never seen before. You know, he's eternal. There are are regions in the heart of God that have yet to be discovered by man. I'm going to do my best before I leave this planet to discover all I can. And that's what keeps it exciting. That's what keeps it alive. I'll tell you one thing. In in 48 years of serving the Lord Jesus Christ, there's one thing I have never been, and that's bored. How can you be bored when the King of kings and the Lord of lords has spoken and then has taken up housekeeping Right here. And so, if you know him today, throw the doors open a little wider. Ask for some new revelations, something special, something that maybe you've never seen before. I'll guarantee you there's still a lot you haven't seen before. Every time you climb a big mountain, what do you always see off in the distance? More mountains. (laughs) And they haven't been been discovered yet. And that one hasn't been discovered yet. And that one hasn't been discovered yet. And if you're here today, you know, because it's Christmas, (laughs) I want to invite you to contemplate once again the claims of this one who came to bear your sins on his cross and exchange your life for life abundant and eternal. The Lord Jesus Christ is here today. And he's still God's gift to you and to everyone who will say, I receive. I receive. He has spoken. He is speaking. And he will continue to speak to those who have ears to hear what the spirit is saying to his church this morning let's pray father I am as guilty as anyone else we can get so familiar with this day we can get caught up in its busyness we can get caught up in the skirmish of the stores and the buying and the trees and the kids and the And Lord, these things are all wonderful things. There is a wonder that fills it all. But sometimes the wonder gets lost in the hustle and bustle. The wonder gets lost in, well, what are you going to get Aunt Hazel this year? You're speaking. You're speaking. And in the Christmas carols that we all love and love to sing, love to hum, you've laid it all out, the gospel, in its beauty, in its simplicity, in its grandeur, in its, in its profoundness. And I pray that we'll take some time shortly here. read through these wondrous verses for I believe in them we do find a Christmas card from our Savior in whose name we pray